VOC Nation takes wrestling fans behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Get stories and inside information from people who worked on the other side of the curtain. Follow the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed and get weekly shows from hosts like Bill After, The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, Ken Resnick, The Maestro, Shelly Martinez, Wes Briscoe, and more. Visit VOCNation.com for more information and follow us on Twitter at VOCNation. Thank you for joining us for part two of our conversation with Ken Patera, the world's strongest man. And now part two of our conversation with Ken Patera. All right, Ken, go ahead. I remember a place uh, officer... Uh... This is, uh, we were still in training camp and uh, uh, I had been downtown with Vern at a, a bar uh-huh. called Duff's Bar, uh, owned by Joe Duffy. Joe, Dan- Joe Duffy was a real famous character in downtown Minneapolis. He had, he had the best bar in town. Uh-huh. And uh, so, uh, I, I think it was about midnight, one o'clock in the morning. The bars closed at one, so we had to be out of there by one. Yeah. So Vern's on his way home. And uh, right as the freeway ended, here comes the red lights. Oh, no. So a, a cop pulls him over. And, uh, you know, we were lit up pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, uh, the cops, oh, Vern Gagne. He said, yeah. He said, how are you doing? He said, by the way, I've been meaning to ask you, does that sleeper hold really work? <laughs> and Vern says, yeah. He says, could you put that thing on me so I, could, so I know what it's like? Oh. And, and Vern said, <laughs> Vern says, well, the, the, I'm going to put you to sleep. I don't think so. I says I'm pretty strong. So Vern slaps that sleeper hold on. About a second and a half later, boom! The cops on the ground. Oh completely no! Out. Yeah, completely. <laughs> so Vern standing over him, and here comes his buddy cop car, pulls up right behind them, and the guy jumps out, pulls his gun. Oh no! He, he doesn't realize this thing was, you know, legit. So, oh no! So Vern steps back and says, hey, officer, he wanted to know what the sleeper hold was like. So I showed him. And luckily, the cop that drew the gun knew who Vern was, too, but didn't recognize him as he pulled up. Right. So after a couple of minutes, you know, they, they, uh, so the the other cop says, can you wake him up? He said, Vern, Vern, yeah, I'll get him up. So he wakes the guy up and the... (laughs) The guy said, well, you weren't kidding, were you, Vern? (laughs) Wow. The two cops were standing out there on the freeway having a good laugh. Oh, my gosh. And uh, so, yeah, you know, people ask me, that figure four and that sleeper hold and all those wrist locks and toe locks, all that stuff really worked? I said, it really works. Yeah. I I said, yeah. uh, what what about that full Nelson that you have that swinging full? Nelson? I was just going to ask you about that. Your signature hold, the swinging full Nelson. Yeah, well, it, you want me to screw your neck up or just show you how? It's <laughs> no, you, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm a big guy. This guy was probably about 230, 240, and about 5'11". Yeah. He was pretty stocky. Yeah. Wow. So, and we did this in a hotel lobby. <laughs> so I slapped that full Nelson on him. Well, I, I probably did it a hundred times, but this one time I'm thinking we were in a hotel lobby, Hyatt uh -huh. Regency down in uh, Miami, Florida. Uh -huh. And I put that swing full Nelson on him. I put the full Nelson on him and I, I swung him just one time. And this was like midnight. <laughs> you know, it, it was already late. We were, must have had 20 Miller Lakes in us. <laughs> Harley Race was there, and oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Terry Funk and I think Dusty Rhodes was there too. But there was a lot of us in that. We were all staying at the Hyatt. Yeah. So I swung him once, put him down, and I kicked his feet out from underneath him, <laughs> and he oh he he went forward. Yeah, you know, two years after they, I bumped into him and said, hey, but Terry, you know, my neck still hurts. <laughs> I said, I told you. Yeah. I said, I, I didn't even put it on. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just went through the motions with you. Yeah. And wow. you told me that you had a strong neck and that you were up to it. <laughs> I said, your neck really hurt? He said, well, not all the time, but I, I I know there's something there, you know. Yeah. I said, well, that's you learned your lesson then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's uh, one of those things. All, all that stuff hurts. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. like uh, my brothers. I had three brothers play uh, football, and uh, my oldest brother he wound up being the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks in mm -hmm. 1976. Yeah. Uh, Jack Patera. Uh -huh. And uh, like, uh, I, I, I always ask, what's the most dangerous place on a football field? The bottom of the pile, he says. <laughs> I said, yeah. bottom of the pile, that's interesting. He says, yeah. And I said, why is that? He says, because when you're one of the guys on the bottom, everybody else is on top. That's when they start taking cheap shots. <laughs> they'll step on your fingers. They'll bend your fingers. They'll, uh, you know, try to poke you in the eye. Uh, now this is back in the fifties and early sixties. They don't yeah. do stuff anymore. Right. Well, that Dominic Sue, uh, he plays for uh, Tampa now. Uh -huh. When he was with Detroit. He, he was a cheap shot artist. Yeah. Again, he got fined a hundred times, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think he's defensive player. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, they, uh, the bottom of the pile is the most dangerous place to be in pro football. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. But anyway, we're, we're, uh, we're talking about your full Nelson and, uh, oh, yeah. Who who gave you that idea to use that move? Did you just come up with it on your own, or was it? The full Nelson? Yeah. I put the full Nelson on somebody in a match. I think it was Renee Goulet. Okay. 
And Renee says, Ken. And Renee weighed about 220, I guess. Uh -huh. And this is way back at the beginning of my career, back in 73. Uh -huh. And he says, you think you can swing me? I said, yeah, I can swing you. He says, I've all, I, he says, I've never seen anybody do that. I've seen a lot of guys put Paul Nelsons on and pick guys up, but nobody's been able to swing anybody. Uh -huh. Well, I swung in five or six revolutions, you know. Yeah. And, uh, of course, he, he held on to my hand so it didn't screw his neck up. Right. And uh, so that then I put him down. He's, God. That's fantastic. <laughs> he said, you ought to use that as a finish hole because up till then I was using a bear hug. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for a finish. And he said, God, swinging full Nelson. He said, that, that should be your signature move from now on. Yeah. And I said, well, that's good. Yeah, but I, my left knee was always screwed up. Yeah. So there was a lot of times during the match when I go for the swing and fall Nelson and my knee just wouldn't hold up to it. Uh -huh. But uh, that, you know, maybe one in 20 times, you know, so basically once a month it would be tender enough. Yeah. That's why I have two knee replacements. Oh. I have all metal, two hip replacements. Jeez. I had my left shoulder replaced twice. Man. So that's uh, two, four, seven, that's six, uh, six replacement surgeries I've had. Like the $6 million <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, between, between that heavy weight lifting and then the wrestling, uh -huh. you know, all the bumps and everything. Yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah. yeah. Can we talk a little bit about what was probably one of your favorite matches that you did as either singles or a tag team? Well, that's, you know, I had over 5,000 matches. Uh, and which one? I mean, you don't have to be your favorite. I mean, just one that sticks out in your mind that that was a great match. Well, I wrestled Bobby Backlund for the WWF uh, belt back in 1980. Uh-huh. Well, that was one of a hundred times that I wrestled. But anyway, one this one was in Madison Square Garden, 1980. Uh -huh. And uh, the wrestling uh, editors voted that to be the best match of 1980. Okay. In all the territories. That was the num number one match that stood out. I, we wrestled about 40 minutes. Uh -huh. And it was a hell of a match. Uh -huh. It was, uh, it had a little bit of everything, a lot of scientific type wrestling, uh -huh. a lot of, uh, you know, elbows and uh, knees and kicks. And uh -huh. I mean, it, it had a, uh, not a little bit of everything. It had a lot of everything. Yeah. I mean, we went like two buzzsaws for about 40 minutes. Uh -huh. And we wound up on the floor hitting each other with chairs. And uh -huh. then we got back in the ring. And uh, I don't know what the finish was. 
I I remember one of uh, one of our matches uh, was so similar to that, but uh, Arnie Stolen Backlund's manager threw the towel in after about a half an hour. Okay. And, and the referee stopped the match. I think it's because of too much blood. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, so I, yeah, I, I had three or four matches like that with Backlund, all the way from Madison Square Garden to Boston Garden. Yeah. To uh, Civic Center over in Pittsburgh to the uh, big arena down there in uh, Philadelphia. They're, they're all over the place. I, yeah. I wrestled him probably a hundred times. Yeah. And uh, I had some knockdown drag outs with Bruno, Bruno Sarmatino. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that were way up on the list. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of good matches with Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Yeah. You know, I, I wrestled Hulk over 200 times. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I wrestled Andre the Giant 600 times. Jeez. Yeah. When you add up all the, uh, times I wrestled them in battle royals and yeah, eight man tags, six man tags, four yeah. man tags, yeah, uh, individual matches. I probably wrestled him over 300 times just in single matches. Wow, yeah, because the promoters, you know, it didn't matter if I was in Texas or yeah, in Louisiana or New York or uh, AWA up here in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And uh, all, all the promoters like that idea, the world's strongest man against the giant. Yeah. And uh, it was just a natural draw. Yeah. And uh, the fans ate it up. Yeah. And uh, so that, 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 that was good. And somebody asked me, I, I remember this distinctly. We were in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh -huh. And I, my, my career was winding down at that time. It was uh -huh. in 1988. Uh -huh. And, you know, the wrestling just lost its luster. I, I really, I had, I had no interest in continuing. Uh -huh. It had been 16 years. Right. And I know a lot of guys like Rick Flair, I think Rick, Rick wrestled 40 years. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, it just got to be too much, you know. I'd gone through three divorces and oh wow, all kinds of other bullshit. And so, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, this kid comes up to me. It was his first match. Uh -huh. He was wrestling some other rookie. We were sitting in the locker room there in Hartford, Connecticut. And he sits down next to me, and he, he whispers to me, "Is that Andre the Giant?" <laughs> Andre was at the end of the table. I said, yeah, that's Andre. He's playing cribbage with his manager, uh, uh, Arnie Stolen. Uh -huh. And I said, yeah, that's Andre. That's what I thought. <laughs> his kid, <laughs> this was his first match. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He says, have you ever wrestled him? I said, Andre, have we ever wrestled? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I said, what did we wrestle? About 400 matches? Said, oh, no. About 600. <laughs> I wow. said, you think it's that many? He said, yeah, you add up all the tag teams and all the battle royals. He said, hell, we, 
we were the last ones in the, all the battle royals, and that was over a hundred. Wow. I, I says, I, I said, you know, when I think about it, yeah, I, I think you're right, about six hundred times. So the kid's sitting there. He says, really? <laughs> six hundred times you wrestled Andre? I said, that's what he said. And I said, when I start adding all these shows up over sixteen year history, uh-huh. yeah, uh, about six hundred times. Gosh. Yeah. So, and I, I, I had some great matches with Andre. Oh, yeah. Some really good matches. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, when he wanted to work, he could work a match. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he could do everything. Yeah. And uh, especially, uh, you know, in the earlier eight, uh, uh, parts of his career when he was around three. first person to tell me that that i've talked to on this program yeah 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 let me ask you this uh when you're in the awa uh that's where i remember you most from because i was a kid and i grew up in wisconsin and i remember when you went from the heenan family to the sheiks oh yeah now i i gotta i'm assuming this is you know, you got a lot of heat for that, but, but from the fans and stuff, but what did you get any like threats or things? Because, you know, you're an Olympian for America and yeah. then you go and join these guys from, you know, Iraq or, or you know, the middle East. Yeah. yeah what right. was that like for you? Well, that was interesting. Uh, yeah, talk about heat. Yeah. Yeah. I was already a heel with Heenan. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but then when I uh, swore allegiance to Iraq and uh, gave up my American citizenship, yeah, yeah, then the heat really got serious. Yeah. And uh, people say, God, Cam, what was your toughest match? I said, my, I, pretty hard to tell from night to night. Almost every night was a tough match. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you mean? I, I said, well, in order to get to the ring, I had to have four to six cops on either side of me yeah. to keep the monkeys off my back. Yeah. But once in a while, they break through with chairs and uh, all kinds of gimmicks, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I, it, was a, it was a war just to get to, from the locker room to the ring. Yeah. And then if I was wrestling one of their favorite wrestlers, uh, like uh, I'll give a Jay Strong boy. I was wrestling him in Springfield, Massachusetts one night, uh-huh. and uh, it was a Indian strap match. Uh-huh. And I was able to, you know, we'd start the match, and uh, uh, 
I finally, after about 20 minutes, I, I rolled underneath the ropes and I got that strap off my wrist and I tied the strap to the bottom rope. And I jumped back in the ring and I started pounding Strongbow. <laughs> and I took the strap, I choked him with the, and the referee, of course, had to break it up. And it, the uh, promoter sent in six or seven guys to break it up to pull me out the Strongbow. Well, on the way back, before I even got out of the ring, I knew it was going to be a fight. Yeah. And the cops knew it too. The cops up there were fantastic. Yeah. So I get out of the ring and the cops surrounded me. And uh, then the, the guys that came in to break up the match, a couple of them jumped out behind me because I told them to. I said, this is going to be a fight. And it was about 100 feet back to the locker room. Yeah. But the people had just closed in. I mean, there was we had a break, uh, you know, like breaking ice. Oh wow! And you know, and so away we went, and there was like five cops on each side of me, <laughs> and there was a lot of Puerto Ricans up there in Springfield, Mass, uh -huh. and they started jumping over top of the cops to get to me. Oh wow! Yeah, just not a couple. There's like fifteen or twenty of them. Yeah. It was like a gang. Wow. And so, man, I, I don't know how many I knocked out. I got some fantastic punches in. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the easiest place to fight is in a crowd. Yeah. Yeah, because you just have free, you know, free yeah. reign. Yeah. So we get back to the corridor, and uh, the cops each one of those cops was dragging at least one, if not two, uh -huh. of those monkeys. <laughs> and we got them back there. They, then they uh, they cuffed them all. And they had them laying face down on the floor, concrete floor. And yeah. by that time, I went back to the locker room. And so one cop comes in and says, hey, Kent, we got a big surprise for you out here. So I go out there and... Uh, they were picking each one of those guys up, you know, uh, one cop on each side, uh, one cop in the back holding their feet up. They're opening this big steel door with their head. Oh, gosh. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they said, do whatever you want to these bastards. Yeah, we're fed up with these bastards. Yeah. So I said, shit. I, I said, no, I said, you guys have already done enough damage to them. <laughs> But they, every one of those guys, about 10 or 12 of them, they, they opened those two steel doors <clears throat> with their heads. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And then they threw them in the paddy wagon. <laughs> <laughs> but, wow. uh, yeah, that's how it was. I, I mean, yeah. that, that's just a couple of examples. Yeah. yeah. I know you were a heel for a lot of years. Uh yeah. VOC Nation takes wrestling fans behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Get stories and inside information from people who worked on the other side of the curtain. Follow the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed and get weekly shows from hosts like Bill After, The Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, Ken Resnick, The Maestro. 
Shelly Martinez, Wes Briscoe, and more. Visit VOCNation.com for more information and follow us on Twitter at VOCNation. And then towards the end of your career, uh, when you're in the AWA uh, and I guess WWF a little bit, you were uh, a baby, you know, baby face. You were with Brad Riggins as the Olympians. Yeah. How did you like? How did you like that? I I thought you were better as a heel. I'm going to be honest with you. Did you like being a baby face, or did you prefer oh. to be a heel? No, the only reason I tagged uh, with uh, Brad to become the Olympians in 19 was that 88 or 89? I believe it was 89. Yeah, just just for about a month and a half. Uh-huh. Brad had a real bad knee; he needed uh, knee surgery really bad. Uh-huh. So uh, uh, Wahoo McDaniel and uh, Ray the Privilege Stevens, they were doing the booking for Vern. Okay. At the time, they called me, and I, I'm just opening up my gym. I'm just opening up uh, Patera's Fitness Emporium in okay. uh, St. Paul here. Real successful gym. Boy, I made, uh, <laughs> I made a lot of money off that place. But anyway... They asked me uh, if I could come work for them. Uh-huh. You know, they'd like to do this angle and put put Brad Reagans and I together as a tag team. Uh-huh. I said, yeah, I said, yeah, Brad. Anybody else, I won't do it. Yeah, but Brad and I were good friends, and so um, after I I couldn't believe how bad I says, is there any money to be made? I asked Wahoo that, and Wahoo he said Wahoo. I said, can he? He says, no. He said, you'd be lucky to make 500 a week. I said, 500 a week? I says, holy shit. How often? <laughs> two, maybe sometimes three matches. I said, well, I'll do two matches. I'm not going to do three three matches for $500. Yeah. And he said, I don't blame you. Yeah. So we did that for, I think, five or six weeks. Uh-huh. And then we dropped... Uh, uh, belts to uh, because Brad had to have an, uh, I think he had a knee replacement surgery. Oh, wow, yeah, I mean, his knee was bad, yeah. And uh, so, anyway, uh, we dropped the belts to uh, uh, Enos and Bloom, the construction crew, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. We dropped the belts to them at a TV shooting down in uh. Rochester, Minnesota. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and that was yeah. 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 Wow. I, I was I was I wasn't a baby face in the WWF, was I? I didn't. I couldn't remember. I mean, I remember when you went there, and you know, you and Heenan, uh, you know, had differences, and I and I thought you were for a while. I, but I might be wrong. I mean, oh, I, I might have been, but I, you know, it was a short time. I know that. Yeah, it had to be very short. Yeah, because when you when you turned babyface, I, I was surprised. I was like, you, you, I liked you better as a heel because you know you, yeah, you spoke well, you act, you did the part, you know, yeah. and you wrestled well. So you had all those combinations, what made it so great. Yeah. You could back it up. Yeah, right. And that was the great part of it is you had the credentials and the and and the abilities to back everything that you said that you were going to do. 
Yeah. And that was what the great, that's the one thing I I'll be honest, I miss about wrestling today. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't watch it that much anymore. Like I should probably, but the storylines aren't nearly as good and believable as they were back then. Well, they're all fabricated now. And, and everybody's got to memorize their lines and yeah, that's and, what it is. they're all uh, reading off a script now. Right. But we didn't have scripts. Right. But what you saw is what you got. Yeah. And that yeah. was the great part about it. It was believable. Yeah. Mad Dog was Mad Dog. Baron yeah. was Baron. The Crusher was the Crusher. <laughs> and uh, all, all of us, not, you know, uh, Nick Bockwinkle, it, we could all talk. Yeah, exactly. And we could all create our own storylines. Mm -hmm. And they're unbelievable. Yep. But nowadays, you know. I, yeah, I, it's all, it's all creepy. The only one I really care for now, I'll be honest, Ken, is, is uh, I like Chris Jericho. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, a lot of people like Chris. I like Chris Jericho because, one, he can speak very yeah. well on the, on the mic. And he's a good wrestler, and he's believable. Yeah, yeah. But he's probably one of the few that are that are left. That yeah, I, very few. Yeah, yeah, that I believe that are, are are good at what they're doing. So yeah, yeah. Steve Austin was good, and, and Steve Austin. I mean, but yeah. you're talking again. You know, it was 15 well, he's years been ago. gone for 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the one today that to me it sticks out is Chris Jericho, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah. yeah. Okay, two more questions, and then we'll we'll okay. get you two going more. here. All right. So, what was your favorite territory, or one of your favorites that you worked in that 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 you felt comfortable? You you liked the storylines. You got like the money, all the all the chemistry and things. What was probably one of your favorite ones to work in? Oh well, AWA. Yeah. You know, for sure, you know, when, when I first started. Uh -huh. And then when I came back for the second time, it was really good. That's when Blackwell and I tagged up. Uh, but yeah, WWF, you know, uh -huh. I went in and out of there four different times. Uh -huh. So, uh, but uh, I like Georgia. Okay. Georgia, Georgia Championship Wrestling. Uh -huh. And uh, Texas, uh, I liked uh, working for Bill Watts. Okay. Yeah, down there in uh, Oklahoma, Louisiana. Uh -huh. Yeah, so. I, I'll say I've heard a lot with, with Vern. If you worked for Vern, you got paid well and you got, and you got time off. Yeah. Yeah, you only work 17, 18 times a month. Yeah, he, and I've heard that from... Mm -hmm. Jimmy Brunzel and, and Greg and and uh, a few others yeah. that when you're up there, you got paid well and and you yeah. got time off. Yeah, like when uh, we worked for Crockett Promotions down there in Charlotte, then mm -hmm. WA. Mm -hmm. you had over 400 uh, matches a year. Yeah, I mean you're on the road every day. I had 10 days off in 1979. Mm. 10 days off. Gosh. I mean, when I went back to the WWF uh, New Year's Day uh, from uh, Charlotte, I was a cripple. Because <laughs> you worked so much. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, it was pathetic. Yeah. Yeah. So the territories. Uh, well, my favorite one would have to be the AWA in the early years. Yeah. And uh, WWF, you know, I only worked, you know, in the early years there, when I first went in, mm -hmm. less than 20 times a month. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But, you know, when when I was at the WWF, and even when I came back, to, when Jerry Blackwell and I were tagged up, mm -hmm. I was doing shows for other promoters. I'd go to St. Louis. I'd go up to Montreal. I'd go to uh, uh, Toronto. Uh -huh. And I'd go work for uh, Jerry Lawler down there at Midwest uh, Coliseum down in Memphis. Okay. I even went over and wrestled shows for Paul Bosch in Houston and uh, yeah. Cowboy Watts uh, there in uh, Oklahoma. Uh -huh. I... I so I let's say if I was making 110,000 a year in uh, for Vern, uh -huh. I'd be picking up another 40,000 working for all these other promoters. Yeah, yeah, because they pay me just as well. Right. But then they they pay my airfare uh -huh. in oh. and out. They you know pay for my car rental. Okay. And so I had no expenses yeah, except for my beer. <laughs> Well, that's good. I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah. uh, do you think that's a lost art going? I mean, because, you know, there's only really two or three big ones now that obviously the WWE and, and now AEW and maybe uh, Impact. I, to me, it's kind of a, a lost art. I don't think guys get the experience and, and, and refining their crafts like they did back. Well, not like uh, back in the day when I started, I think there yeah. were uh, like 20 promotions yeah. around the country. And the right. you know, majority of them, you can make a decent living right. at any one of them. Right. You know, if you're a top guy. Yeah. I but just... uh, what's impact? That's uh, TNA. It's one that uh, it's out of uh, uh, Nashville. Uh, it's on uh, Axis, or yeah, I think it's Axis TV now. They've they've been around for about ten years. Actually, Jeff Jarrett had started it back in two thousand two. Oh, yes, Jeff. Yeah, it was Jeff's, and now it's uh, under you know new ownership. But uh, you know, I just to me, I you know, like right now, I don't have cable. I, I we just moved recently, so I have an antenna. Mm. Uh, but you know, back in the day, I could get two or three different shows from different promotions and, and and now you you can't do that yeah uh and so i just i remember you in the wwf i remember you in the awa uh and the nwa for a while and in georgia and you were just yeah. all over the place i just remember i thought he was in minneapolis and then you know you're yeah. down in georgia which was great i mean it was yeah. you know you kept the variety you kept it fresh and and that was the great thing about it. now it's if you're WWE, your character, you know, kind of goes no, stale. You're, 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 they, they own you. They own you. You can't go and work somewhere else. No. Or else, you know, they're fire you and whatever. Yeah. You can't go work somewhere else. It's not a handshake anymore. It's you here yeah. for five years. And even yeah. after you leave, 
you can't work somewhere else for 90 days now i've been told oh really yeah, yeah. i've been told that once you leave wwe you can't work in another promotion for 90 days because of what happened with them in the 90s with WCW and then when they had the Monday Night Wars. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. So they didn't want somebody showing up the next night on a different TV program. Yeah, right. Well, that's smart. I guess, yeah, I guess it's smart on on WWE's part, but... Yeah, right. All right, one last question, then we're going to let you go, sir. Okay. What are you doing now? Hmm. Well, right now I'm having a whiskey and water. <laughs> well, it's lunchtime. Yes. yes. I, I, I got, <laughs> no, I have to go up uh, to uh, my daughter's uh, shop up in Pine City, okay. which is about 80 miles north of here. Okay. And I told her I'd be up there around 2 o'clock. Okay. And... Uh, she has a shop, uh, Sunrise Apothecary. Oh, okay. You know what apothecary means? No, I do not. Okay. Herbs and coffees, teas. Okay, uh, okay. All that stuff. Okay. And she's a hell of a artist. She, uh, for uh, pottery. Okay. She's got a huge pottery studio in her house. Wow. Okay. Yeah, big, big one. She has uh, two big kilns. All that stuff's going to be moved because I'm building a a, a farmhouse for. I'm about have a little apartment on one end, and her and her family are going to live on the other end. And right oh. in the middle okay. is going to be a, a big, you know. A, a, Arts and crafts shop. Oh, well, wonderful. Yeah. So she can do all her uh, creative uh, things there. Well, that's wonderful. It's going to be, I think it's going to be 60 feet long and 45, 45 feet wide. Oh. So it's going to be a good sized building. Yeah. I don't know, 7,000 square feet. All one floor, though. Okay. Well, that's yeah. good. It's not going to be two stores. It's going to be all one floor. Good. And uh, I told her, I says, you know, the house I'm in now, I've, mm -hmm. I've been here 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I have, uh, you come in from the garage into the foyer, you got seven steps up and seven steps down. <laughs> well, my knees are so bad that I'm, I don't want any steps. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. All right. Well, I'm going to let yeah, you so go. Uh, yeah. So what am I doing? Yeah. yeah it, okay. I'll let you go, well, sir. I, I, I appreciate your time and your, you know, everything you've done for us here today. And yeah. I, I mean, it's an honor and privilege. I mean, I watched you as a kid, like I said, and it was, it was great. I mean, I, I was so glad I was able to get in contact with you and, and do this. So well, thank you so much. It, it did. We finally got together, though. <laughs> we finally got together. So once okay. again, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. The World's Strongest Man, Mr. Ken Patera. Ken, thank you so much again for joining our program. Thank you, Brian, and good luck. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs>